we want to thank you today for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We want to bless you and want you to know that we appreciate the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, we thank you for unveiling the plans. God, that not only for the whole world, but sometimes in the specific arenas of individual lives. And for that, we want to honor you. We take hold of your hand this morning with a fresh grip. Lord, we yield our heart with a brand new yielding. And we are rejoicing in the journey and the plan that you have. I'm going to pray, for Father, for every individual today that's in this house. And though those houses reach further than just the presence of those people here, I include their house as far as it may reach. God, that there would just be the favor of the Lord just rest upon them. The evidence of that favor, God, would be unquestionable. I thank you today and I bless you. God, I bless the regulars and I bless our visitors. God, you came for the whole world. Lord, and that means that we're all have the opportunity and can be part of it. We thank you because of the great sacrifice that your son Jesus Christ did that we might inherit the things of the Most High God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And all the people said amen. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. I just want to acknowledge uh, our visitors. I noticed that there's a number of visitors, and we just uh, just appreciate you worshiping with us us today. And uh, uh, you know, we just want God's blessing to to fall uh, on your fields, on your life, uh, uh, on a regular basis, because I think that's what God sent Jesus Christ to do. He said he sent him to bless us and turn us away from our sins. So first of all, you know what I mean? It's the direction we're going in life, you know, and it's just a matter of just about face and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All of a sudden, you come under the blessing that the Father has intended for those that are in Christ Jesus. CW, I want to thank you for that word, and I want to follow up uh, with... uh, uh, my segment of it that he just gave to me this week, and I've told you about it, but it has to do with uncommon favor. The scripture says in Psalms 102 that for the time to favor her, that is Zion, has, has come. Yes, the set time has come. Psalms 5 and 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. There are times that God lets the enemy have their hour, have his hour. But then God moves and says, it's my hour. It's my hour. Remember the scripture talks about, you know what I mean? They could not take Jesus because his hour had not yet come. Could not do it. Now, But then he says also, Father, this is the hour for which I have come. So there is the timing and the sets. And when God, you know what I mean, specifically says, okay, it's time to go ahead and do what my plan is all along. So I want to just follow up with that, that God has set time for some uncommon favor in your life. In the life of the church, I, I think that it expands more than just Bible Center, you know. But you know what it is is, you know, you're here, I'm here. We want to catch what he's saying. That favor to favor her. This uncommon favor is not about class, but about Christ. <laughs> Hear this: it's not about class; it's about Christ. Remember. Christ removed, you know, the classes. We are made of one blood in one body. 
It's not about grade, but it's about grace. It's not about degree, but it's about God's decree. God has decreed it. Even as Joseph in his life experienced uncommon favor. Psalm 68 and 19 says, Blessed be the Lord God who daily loads us with benefits. You know, the good that's happening, you know, comes from above. For every good and perfect gift comes from above. Your hands may have been part of it. Your life, you know what I mean, had been channeled with regard to it, but it still comes from the Father up above. Amen? Amen. This uncommon favor that God is pouring out upon his church in this set time and in this hour has nothing to do with capacity, ability, merit, or entitlement. This favor breaks protocol. It defies logic. Now listen to this. It overrules diagnosis. Somebody give the Lord a praise. It overrules diagnosis. The favor of the Lord. The good thing is, is, you know, maybe in your life you felt God was mad at you, and maybe he was. But God is very short-tempered. His anger is but for a moment. Oh, hallelujah. Psalms 30 and 5. It's just for a moment. But it says that his favor is for a lifetime. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Glory to God. Now, sometimes we might upset him, but he doesn't stay upset very long. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. But he says, I'm going to render favor for a lifetime so that you can have life. Now, we read the passage of Scripture in Psalms chapter 5. It says that, that you will surround him as with a shield, with favor. God is saying that there is a favor shield for your life. And that shield repels evil but it attracts good. A shield. A shield for your life. He said that the set time that promises are going to collide with God's prophecies. In other words, words that you have received, you know, that you've been waiting on, now all of a sudden are going to Come together. What has been held in the womb is now going to be manifested in your now. In your now. Oh, hallelujah. A transition has taken place, and it's a transition of intimacy. And you are to prepare for a shift. Prepare for a shift. I said a lot. But this is just a heads up. Good things are going to be happening that are going to be uncommon. They're not just part of the norm or the regular. Good things are going to be happening and, you know, bad, bad things are not going to be happening. Hallelujah. That's what that shield is. It repels the evil, but it attracts the good. You know, you can attract grace in your life. Grace is unmerited favor, but you can attract it. Noah attracted grace. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Joseph attracted grace. And God is is says it's time it's time for some extra favor to fall 
upon your life. Hallelujah. Amen, Shelby? Some extra favor. Remember, said we just if we trust him, the rains would just literally fall upon us. CW. His exact words basically were saying the same thing. I mean, we need it. The world is chaotic. Yeah, the world's in trouble. <laughs> you know? But God, he doesn't, you know, let that move him off center or timing. The set time to favor has come. So, Father, this morning, I know people are blessed. Father, I know that you have watched over their lives. God, but this morning, according to your word, we release. You are releasing, and we're agreeing with it. Father, an uncommon favor upon the households where checkbooks have sometimes come up short. Now, God, there is going to be plenty. Father, where people have been believing for deliverance in their families, God, and time seems to be just carrying longer and longer. Now, God... It's going to happen in their lives because Jesus Christ is God's favor. And we thank you for that. We release in your name the abundant favor for this set time for the people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right. Praise God because amen just seems, let it be so. You know, I want it to come to my house. You know what? And I've told you over and over, I want it to come to your house. I want it to come to your house. God wanted it to come to your house, and that's why he sent Jesus Christ, so he could get it to your house. When Jesus finished his work, he knew that there needed to be, you know, a major power with relation to a ship to it, and that's why he sent the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick right around, and we're going to see to it that this thing gets finished in your life because he who has begun a good work will finish it. <clears throat> yeah, sometimes there's been some tearing down in order that there might be some building up. Sometimes we move forward, and all of a sudden we divide. He finds out that, you know, well, there's a little bit of flaw here. Remember what he said? He said that to, to the children of Israel. Said the, the potter was making, you know, you know, a, a pottery. And it was flawed in his hands. And so he says, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna soften it up again and I'm gonna make a brand new vessel out of it. Glory to God. So it doesn't make any difference how flawed the vessel is. God will go ahead and, you know, soften it up and make a brand new vehicle, or excuse me, a new, new vessel out of it. A vessel that can be a vessel of honor and glory in your life praise God he takes all the pieces of our life and gives ahead and makes something beautiful about it and you know what a chosen vessel is see there's vessels and there's chosen vessels Paul said he was a chosen vessel a chosen vessel is someone is a vessel that the potter signs puts his name on it can have all kinds of vessels, things that he's made, but he says, ha this one here, you know, I'm going to put my name on it. I want it to be known as mine. And how many know that something that has the signature on it in this day and age is worth a whole lot more than something that was just made by somebody? Well, glory. <laughs> yeah. Amen. God has went ahead and Put your signature when it comes to your life and in my life. Yeah. You might not think you're important, and that's good. But what's more important than that is God thinks you're important. Because see, when you think you're important, you're probably not. <laughs> and when you, you know you're not important, 
you finally got to where you're important. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we've been, we've been talking about building faith, and, and I just want to catch up to speed on, because we've had uh, two Sundays already uh, of this, and let me catch us uh, just quickly up to speed how important hope is in your life. It says in, in Romans chapter 15, 13, it says God wants your whole life and whole outlook, you know, to, to be radiant with hope. You can tell the difference between someone, you know, that's, that's walking in hope and someone that's walking in hopelessness. It breaks my heart sometimes. I can just walk, you know, in the Mall of America. Everybody know where that's at? Okay. All right. I can walk in the Mall of America and I can watch the people. And I can see people just going about their busy life, and then all of a sudden you see somebody walking, and you can see there is an individual. Oh, my heart just reaches out. Somehow, if I only knew them, if somehow I could talk to them, you know what I mean? The, the, the reason they're walking the way they do, the reason they're, they, they look the way they do, their countenance is because they've lost hope. They've lost hope. Now, I don't know what their hope may have been in and what their anticipation was in life, but irregardless, we know that Christ is our hope, but there are things in life that causes us to lose hope. Not lose hope in relationship to our salvation, but, but hope in relationship to how energetic we are about life. And God says, I want to fill you with joy and peace and be believing. God doesn't want our faith and our believing to be a struggle in our life. He wants it to be an overflow. And so when I read those things and I hear, you know, God say that, I say, Lord, help me because that's not where I'm at. I want have an overflow. That's what it says, God. Now, I don't know what's, you know, what's blocking it in my life. Maybe I do, maybe I don't, but, you know, let's go ahead and talk this thing out and let's see if we can get it right because I need that joy and that peace in my believing. I don't want my struggles. It, it should not be a struggle. It can be a fight, but not a struggle. There's a difference. You're fighting, you're winning. You're struggling, you're losing. Hope is the lifeblood. It's a lifeblood. Hope is the thing that can pull us out of the depths and a feeling of depression and, you know, in, in those, those, those things that happen that you don't have control over. And it'll even work on the things that we do have control over. He works all things together for good. I'm so glad that he went ahead and just included it all. All things. You know what I find? I find this, and I've had to walk through it myself. I find that sometimes we won't give people the mercy that we want ourselves. We'll give ourselves forgiveness, but we won't give the next person forgiveness. Hello? Did you know that doesn't work that way? Jesus said, if you don't forgive them, you don't get forgiven. Woo! We got to go around and we got to go ahead and say, you know what I mean? I want mercy in my life. I want forgiveness in my life. I'm going to go ahead and forgive you. <laughs> I forgive you. Neither do I condemn them, but just go and sin no more. So there is a release that Jesus, in forgiveness, and Gordy is talking about, it's about forgiveness. There's a release that forgiveness does. There's an empowerment that happens, you know, through forgiveness. When we have hope, it helps us see more clearly in our crisis. <clears throat> we mentioned last week that hope is the, <clears throat> excuse me, is the architect. Faith is the builder. Faith is the builder. It activates those things. Amen? Faith works. We have the eyes of faith. We have hearts of faith. We have steps of faith. And there is walks of faith. Those are in our past messages. The next thing to believing is confession. The heart and the tongue should go together. The tongue should say what's in the heart, and it does. And the heart should always be telling the tongue what to say. Mm -hmm. 
That's why he says, guard your heart, because out of it are the issues of life. It's very, very important. Hallelujah. Eyes of faith see the victory. Hearts of faith speak the victory. So last week we began, how do we break faithlessness? We have faith, but sometimes we walk and lean more toward faithlessness. Because Jesus would always ask, do you believe that I can do this? See, do you believe he can do it? You know, those are critical moments. Those are crossroads. Do you believe I can do this? The one guy, he says, well, I believe you're the son of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Right? And he got started. That's where it starts. And he's the son of God. Well, if he's the son of God, then guess what? He can do what God does. Do you believe this? And of course, then he would follow up and say, According to your faith, be it unto you. And sometimes he says this. Then he talks about the miracle that happened. Other times, it's blank. He does not tell you what happened. He just says, it's going to happen to whoever your faith is. And he leaves it, you know, up in the air. Technically, we don't know what happened. But you break faithlessness by running to win. You do not just run, you run to win. If the race is worth running, run to win. Five runners, five types of runners. The casual runner, the cautious runner, the compromised runner, the calloused runner, and the committed runner. We're to run to win. We kind of concluded on it's, in some cases, it's time to start again. It's time to start again. Don't just live in the prisons of your own making. Now, absolutely. Learn how to handle, walk in your life and walk out your life. Learn essential keys for living and you will see that God is right there. Says that God worked with them. God will work with you. So we're going to develop our faith, and we just got started about developing faith. But uh, it says in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people perish or they cast off restraint. There's no. There's no guidelines. There's no guidance in your, your life. That bridge between the present and the future is connected to how you are seen and what you are seen. Did you know that when God planned for your life, He took into account your stupidity. (laughs) I know that's not a very good word for, it's not politically correct, might not be church correct. But he knew you weren't the brightest star on the block. Did you know, you probably didn't know, but I'll tell you, when, when God came to, to, to Gideon, 
And, and Gideon has talked to God. There's, there's a word in there, you know, that, 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 that reflects it. You know, God says, is basically saying, you know, I know about your personality. I know about it. But it didn't stop God, you know what I mean, from going ahead and choosing him. God's used to dealing with messes. So he's already got a vision for your life, and he decided what he wants. According to Psalms 139, as you discover it, the truth of the matter is that every vision requires sacrifice. You'll never reach the vision without sacrifice. So you've got to be willing to sacrifice. I mean, you know that God's vision required sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but ever everlasting life. In other words, he didn't want people perishing. And so in order to accomplish that, he had to give a sacrifice to deal with that which, you know, mean already had been a failure. When Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, that was failure. God had to come along and do something about the failure. He's still doing something about the failures. Hallelujah. The, divi- the di- difference between vision and goal is goals are simply vision broken down into smaller pieces that are measurable. Everybody needs a heavenly inspired treasure. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You need a heavenly inspired treasure because it will determine how you spend your days. How and what you give your your life too. It says that Jesus, who for the joy set before him, what is it that would bring joy into your life? That would fit in the framework of God's plan and God's purposes in your life. God is interested in your joy. He said, ask that your joy might be full. Full joy. Oh, you're going to get spoiled. Yeah, we have to work with that. But something that has a heavenly impact to it that will bring joy into your life. Joy is important, church. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I don't think it's two different joys when Jesus said, you know what I mean, ask that you might receive so that your joy might be full. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. How many know that he's still waiting for the completion till he sees the full fulfillment of that joy? He is. It is not finalized yet, but he's still hanging on. You know what I mean? To the vision and the picture of the... It's going to bring... An amazing joy into your life, heart, and that's it, it. It wasn't, but he believed in it, and so it caused him to be able to endure anything and everything. Who for the joy that was set be 
for him. To build your faith, you must position your attitude. You must position your attitude. Develop a winner's attitude because you were born to win. This is not a pep talk. You know, this is declaring the word of God. You are more than conquerors. I lead you in continual victory. The struggle is real, but so is the medicine. Let me say it again. The struggle is real, but so is the medicine. Let us sing a song with a new angle, with a new anticipation, with a new, you know, zeal. Because the medicine is stronger and better than the struggle. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Absolutely, it is. The blood still cleanses from sin. Not just the first time believer, but every believer as they move on in the Lord. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Everybody say, all unrighteousness. Amen. When you became a believer, you know, you still had some ugly pasts. And you needed the blood that was just as powerful when you received it the first time. And it's just as powerful when you receive it the second time. And it's just as powerful if you go seven times 70. How often should I forgive my brother? Our righteousness says seven times. We're really righteous. (laughs) No. In one day. Oh, my goodness, for sure. How many know that that guy's really messing up fast and often? (laughs) He's just saying, you know, We just need to be people with forgiving hearts because we have been forgiven. Hallelujah. So that's what you got to see. So many times, you know, we're just seeing the struggle and not the medicine. He wants your life to, the things that used to paralyze you, now just become motivation for you. It was Caleb, virtually at the end of his life, after he had helped everybody else get their possession, he said, now it's time for me to get mine. And so he came to Moses and, you know, and he had a conversation with Moses you know, or Joshua, excuse me, at, at the beginning of the journey, he says, Joshua, you see that mountain? That's mine. That's mine. And so everybody else is getting, he's helping everybody else get their possessions and, and he comes to him in the latter part and says, I want my mountain now. I want my mountain he had this, he had this, you know, this thing that it was challenges were opportunities. Listen to this. A broken view of the father leads to a broken view of life. 
a broken view of the father leads to a broken view of life. I remember an African-American preacher talking about, as he was growing up, how the, uh, his teachers, how they had taught him, and then how he had to learn, you know, it a little different. Not faulting the teacher, but, but life is about learning and developing. And he said, I used to think that, that Christianity was like a railroad track. I was trying to walk on that steel beam and the devil was walking on the other steel beam, and he had this eight-foot pull trying to push me off all the time. Can you imagine trying to walk a steel beam and the devil trying to push you off all the time? An impossibility. You would never walk in freedom, never walk with any kind of you know, uh, uh, confidence and inspiration. No. The God that you're walking with has a hold of your hand. And the devil is like a toothless lion. He's been detoothed. <laughs> That's why he uses the power of suggestion. That's why he uses, you know what I mean, the soul aspect of yourself. He tries to work his way in through that. And he gets you to buy into it. A merry heart does good like a medicine. I think we can learn a lot from Jesus' reference to children. He said, except you become like a little child. It's very important. There's just a merriness about them. They have this huge capacity to forget and move on. So there are times that when dealing with life, that's, you need to apply certain principles. You probably wouldn't use their wisdom in making decisions, but you could use their outlook when it, has, when it comes to, to life. So you want to keep your heart as cheerful as as possible. Therefore, with joy, it will help your drinking from the living fountains. Therefore, with joy, shall ye draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Come on, church. Come on. Huh? Yeah, our worship team, you know, come on. Let's celebrate. Let's go ahead and bless the Lord. Yeah, because he says with the water flows better in joy. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're much nicer when you're filled with joy than when you are not filled with joy. Let me try to wrap this up. To develop and encourage your faith, you need to keep all conflicts impersonal. You must fight the issue, not the person. Fight the issue, not the person. When 
Jesus is dealing with Peter, and he's, he's kind of messing up in how he's interpreting things. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He knew who was the force and the influence that was causing Peter to talk that way. Keep it impersonal. Fight the issue, not the person. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Even if you took him out, it is show up the next day without the person. That's right. You don't get rid of the opposition by getting rid of the person. Oh, I wish I had him out of my life. So fight the issue, not the person's. Ask my team to come this morning. Speak about what God in you can do and not what others can't do. One day, Jesus and Peter are walking and And they were, the picture would be they were just kind of walking side by side and, you know, and, and, and they were talking and who knows what the conversation, but it must have been about ministry, et cetera, because cause, cause Peter, you know, he sees that John is kind of trailing behind and, and he turns to Jesus and he says, what's he going to do? In other words, you know, he wasn't too sure John had it in him to be able to, you know, What's he following us for? I mean, this is for us special people. Jesus said, you know what? It doesn't make any difference. He said, if I, if I want him to stay alive until I come, that is none of your business. Did you know there's some things that are not none of your business? <laughs> You're just too nosy. It doesn't belong to you. But out. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7 and verse 4. Paraphrases says this. What is this talking more about others' faults than about God's goodness? What is this? He says, it's a log in your own eye. It's not them who have the problem. It's you who's got the problem. I don't like when God backs me in the corner like that. Actually, I do. Speak about what God can do. Being positive about God is a master key, church. It will open doors of opportunity in your life. You will see open doors that would have normally passed you by. You'll be able to see doors that are closed. They're closed for a reason and you just won't run into them because you can see that they're closed. What really is our work? Our work is to believe his work. It's so simple. Our work is to believe his work. It's to believe his work. It's in believing.
story of two fishermen and I'll be done by 10 after. So I've done pretty good. Last week it was before 11, so. <laughs> two fishermen got trapped in a storm in the middle of a lake. The one turned to the other and asked, should we pray or should we roll? His wise companion responded, we probably should do both. <laughs> See, if you're rolling without praying, you're probably going in circles. And if you're praying without rowing, you probably will never get out of the storm. One is not a replacement of the other. How do I know what God really has for my life? wants me to do well if you look at your gifts your talents and your strengths you start to get a little picture these are God deposits according to Romans chapter 12 to each one is given according to the grace of God gifts the deposit that what fits for you what what is it that when you get up and do it it just has some satisfaction and it works for you you're starting to go get in the right direction some of it needs some defining and refining but it gives you some insight. Not only is each one given a gift, but people with the same gift operate the gift differently. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Romans 12, he says, everyone has received a gift according to the grace that's given to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, you know what? There's differences in how it operates and how it functions in every, in each individual. Some people do it this way. Some people do it that way. Neither is wrong, but it's right for, for them. Developing it, of course, is all part of the process break through the Thomas constrictions Thomas constrictions is I'll believe when I see Jesus said I want you to get to where that you believe even though you have not seen. You see the constriction of that? It's, it's, you know, he said, Thomas, blessed are you because you have seen and believed, but more blessed is he who has not seen and still believes. What's he saying? He's saying this. We have to learn. Let me get it here. We have to learn to believe the report of those who saw the evidence. Woo, come on, church. If we're going to the next level, we gotta believe the report of those who saw the evidence. These are his close comrades, these are his close friends. We saw him, he's alive. We went there, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. <laughs> what did Isaiah chapter 53 says? Who has believed our report? 
Hallelujah. Notice that what he's saying is coming from somebody else. You weren't there, but they're telling you what happened. You need to have confidence in your messengers, church. You need to have confidence in those that give reports. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Then he goes on and says it begins to open up a wellspring of what is available to you when you believe the report. See, you've got to believe the report that by his stripes we were healed. You never saw those stripes on the back. You never saw the blood flow. Would you believe the report? And when you believe the report, all of a sudden you become a recipient with regard to the reason that he took it so there would be a report. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Let's go. I got to quit. Yeah, I got more, but I got to quit. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, church. You know, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. He's God. He's the Almighty One. Amen. Father, we thank you today that you are the author and you're the finisher of our faith. And so we thank you for working with regard to our faith that it might increase ever more and more that we will eventually God be able to have the faith that can move mountains that's what you said there's a, there's a level of faith that can move the mountains and we know you're not talking about some physical mountain Lord that we can cast into the sea but God you said it can be removed out of our lives so it never appears again never becomes a mountain in our life again and so we thank you for that and we just bless you today we bless the people God for your work in our lives And we ask it and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR. BibleCTR.